Welcome to the RV Podcast. This is episode number 417. And this week, a post-hurricane update about Florida camping. What's it going to be like this winter? Hi, everybody. This podcast episode will be released on October 12th, 2022. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. Hello, Michael. What a week this is going to be. It's going to be an extremely busy week. A big week for us. Um, and excuse us if we're just a little secretive because we don't want to jinx anything. But um, this is the week that we are expected to close on our long sought after Michigan property. Now, I have to tell you, we have had a lot of challenges trying to find some property. Uh, you know, we bought five acres in Tennessee that we've turned into like a little private RV resort. And we wanted to have something in Michigan as well. Um, well, I got to say, we can't find a development like uh, the Woodlands where we have uh, our property, which we call Loblolly Ridge, uh, where we have the five acres there in Tennessee. That's a big uh, development, 5,000 plus acres divided up into big multi-acre parcels, many RVers there. They don't have that in most other states, including Michigan. So uh, it's sold a little differently up here. It is. And we're very happy that we should be closing on getting 10 acres. 10 acres. Now, um, in searching for property in Michigan, we look literally from the upper peninsula up here, the lower peninsula. And um, we, it sold mostly in individual parcels. So we checked out some starting back last winter with snow on the ground and we found what we wanted. And uh, we don't want to give too many details on the property away just yet until it closes, okay? But we can tell you it's 10 acres in size. And it's, for us, it's going to be closer to Elkhart, Indiana, which is going to be great. Because we the are there all the time. We the want RV, to do and of the world. check yeah. on in Elkhart. Yep. Um, it has a small little lake on it. No, we called it a pond, but it's actually, I guess, big enough that it actually has a name to it. Um, and we will own... Probably about a third of it or half of oh, it. Oh, I think about half of it, uh, half the lake. There's really nobody else on the lake. It's There's a lot of... of um, lily pads that we have to the the frost we just had in michigan will kind of kill those off but we got to figure a way to control those but still it's got a little lake uh bowl like that be great for kayaking yeah um and uh it, it's it's pretty pretty neat and we like we have in tennessee we hope to have two maybe three but two for sure sites where we can invite friends and family and we can um keep our fifth wheel, our Arcadia fifth wheel, and even our motorhome there as we want. It's kind of a base camp if we mm -hmm. want. Southwestern Michigan is where it's located. Because it's important to us to have our vehicles close by. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's very different than what we have in Tennessee. Uh, for one thing, uh, maybe not at first, but as soon as we can, uh, we're going to be living on it full time. Not in the RV, but in a house on that 10 acres. Um, that's going to take some time, though. And, and again, we'll show you some of the property in the place and we'll share more of it. One of the mistakes we made with Loblolly Ridge is 
uh, showing everybody our address. A lot of you warned us when we did it, take your address off. Oh, the video had already been cut because, uh, and I don't, uh, but people keep coming to look at it, you know, and taking pictures of it. I have some security cameras up and, uh, and we think that's probably not a good idea that we put our address out there for everybody. We did it in Tennessee, but we're not going to do that in Michigan. It's a little, little different there. Um, uh, but again, we'll we'll share, and we're pretty excited about this, and we'll share and, and have lots more details for it after we close on it. It's supposed to happen this week, but um, it's uh, it's a lot more complicated always than than one would think to close on property, and we hope to have this uh, taken care of soon. But uh, it's different than Tennessee, nothing like that at all. But one thing is, it's ten acres that we're pretty excited about. Um, but sort of related but only indirectly because in anticipation of that uh, future move, we're trying to start to downsize from our sticks and bricks house. And, and to do that, we thought we'd sell some household items and things that maybe we won't be needing when we, we move to this new property. Uh, and we've been advertising some things on Facebook Marketplace. And what we encountered was a pretty sophisticated scam apparently rampant uh, these days on Facebook Marketplace. And since I know there's always people out there who are going to go full-time or in the process of selling stuff, I thought we ought to just at least warn you uh, about what we experienced. It happened on a site uh, on the Facebook Marketplace and it involves um, the Zelle. Uh, Zelle is that peer-to-peer uh, -peer money exchanging service. kind of works a little bit like PayPal and other services like that. But... Um, that's Bo. Bo's outside looking at us as we're recording this. Um, he won't stop till I let him in. Well, we'll let him in at the, when we do the commercial okay, break. Okay, when we'll, we do uh, the commercial. We'll if I could have the camera, I'd show you him. He's kind of peeking in. He the is. Window. He's looking in the window. Like, excuse me. <laughs> he says, Those He's, are my people that want to see me. Oh, uh, but this scam. Uh, you want to explain a little bit about it, how it all came about? And somebody was trying to buy some property. Somebody was trying to buy a piece of furniture that we have, and they suggested this form of paying us. They said, to guarantee it, we'll, we'll send you payment on Zelle. And I said, well, I don't have Zelle. I don't use Zelle. Said, well, you can get an account, and then I'll, I'll pay you, and then you know it's paid, and you won't sell it to other people. Because other people were... Asking. Yeah, that's something else we discovered that people say they're going to come and they don't come, and oh. there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, <laughs> with doing this, and then other people are wonderful. Yeah, they are. So uh, we said, okay. So we got an account, and uh, we said, what's your email address? There's the secret. So I sent them my the email address I'm using for Zelle, and immediately I got this email back, purportedly from Zelle, saying, hey, we got the money they sent. But you are brand new and uh, we need to upgrade your account and you need to either have them or you send us $500 more and then we will, uh, then you can refund that and that just proves it's a legitimate transaction. Seems a little weird to us. Yeah, uh, not just a little, absolutely insane. So we're saying, well, this doesn't make sense, no. you know. And then before I could say, well, let's pay, pay by something else. Uh, or bring us cash, which is really the only way to sell on Facebook. Uh, they said, well, I just sent that $500 in. And I wrote, why would you send $500 in? 
And so I got, so I had this official looking document from Zell and it had a service number, call for service. So um, Jennifer called and you were told to leave a message. Well, I, there, yeah, there was an answering machine. And then immediately the phone rang and it was some guy with a very thick foreign accent. And so we're getting very suspicious at this time. And he said, well, here, you send the money to this address. I don't know who that address was. And he says, and that didn't work. You know, when I tried to enter it, that address didn't work. I tried another one, that didn't work. And then he gave me another one and that would have worked. I said, well, who are these people? And the guy just never <laughs> had a thing. Questions. And then he says, are you trying to cheat your buyer out of that 500 they deposited? And then I knew right away what we're on. And so we called him for what it was and the guy hung up. But it was very sophisticated. And here's how you know. Because uh, what they did is when she had my address, she immediately, or the person purporting to be a she, immediately sent us that email. And that email, when you look at the address, it was something like uh, zellpayments at gmail.com. Why would Zell have a Gmail account? It's a big company. It's a banking financial thing. So that's that's really your secret. Zell doesn't use Gmail for their ads. And um, it, it, it was a mess. I tried to report them to the bank. Of course, the bank was closed and it's going to be closed, closed the following Monday because it was Columbus Day. And uh, I tried to report it to Zell. And all you get is phone tag with Zell. So this whole story is to tell you that as I research that there are scams like that all over Facebook marketplace these days. And also, you know, on Craigslist and eBay and other things. So if you sell stuff cash only meet them in a public well-lit place where there's a lot of traffic, don't invite them to your house. Um, and, uh, for us, I think rather than trying to sell that furniture, we're just going to donate it to charity. But what a mess, huh? Oh, it was a real learning experience. And I was all inspired by everybody saying, oh, Facebook market. Everybody sells on it all the time. Maybe it depends on what area of the country you live in. I don't know. Maybe. What kind of big city? Yeah. But uh, all right. So that's our warning to you on that. Hey, a couple of, of quick uh, RV News of the Week stories, then we'll get into our discussion about uh, Florida and what you can expect in the wake of the hurricane for camping. Um, but uh, two stories that we think we need to talk about this week. Oh, this one, you're all going to be familiar with this one, the rising price of gasoline. I mean, you were shocked. I know I was when I went and filled up my little itty bitty car and it was over $60 to fill it up. It used this to be week, like 20 yeah. Yeah. to fill that thing up. So a significant uh, gas uh, price hike this week. And unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be end to this pain for a long time. And so why is this happening? There was a fire at the refinery in Toledo, Ohio, and uh, it's impacting prices in the upper Midwest and production is now affected. And it, you know, it's probably going to be affected until December. And on the West Coast, refineries in California deal with outages and uh, reduced capacity there. And of course, there's the OPEC announcement. It is uh, cutting the supplies and gasoline demand is up. And as a result, this is all bad news. Yeah. So the national average for a gallon of gas was 390 on Saturday, but in Michigan, Illinois, Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Idaho, and Arizona, the average price for a gallon of gas is 436 to 6 
35. And for diesel, those of you with diesel pushers or diesel, we have like a diesel uh, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, uh, you're paying six bucks or seven bucks a gallon. And folks, it's going to continue it's just gonna go to up. rise up. Uh, you know, everybody's saying, oh, it's going to go even worse after the midterms elections. And I think it will be because yeah. we've now exhausted our national reserves pretty much. They were filled uh, before all this started, and now they're going to be empty. We're doing no refining of our own. Our refining has, has dropped completely uh, off the grid. There's very little uh, with these outages. And, of course, we're not doing any exploration or any uh, pipelines. They're all shut down now. What is, it's going to be a mess. I just have to tell you that. I can't uh, sugarcoat it. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think so many people, like we've been doing, and many other RV uh, YouTubers like us buying their own property because we still want to live this lifestyle. But uh, I've got all these emails that have come in this week. I was going to read them all for me, but they're all the same story. Uh, they're all complaining about how expensive uh, gas is and how expensive campgrounds are. Um, that you know, I mean, it's it's over fifty bucks for most campgrounds now. Some state parks you can still get by for thirty five or so, but it's insane. So no good and, news. There. And it's up for some re good reasons, like the price oh, yeah. of electricity. And everything is up. Everything yeah. is up. You got you know that. So that's it. So one other story that I, I wanted to talk about, because the other thing we get hearing from people is, oh, wait till electric vehicles become RVs. Well, that may happen. But uh, I don't know if you saw the story. It was this week. It's another. It's one of a series of stories. This was about a YouTuber named Tyler Hoover. He's got a pretty cool uh, YouTube channel called Hoovy's Garage Channel. And he's a big car nut. But uh, he bought, uh, he's got a Ford Lightning F-150, the Lightning. And uh, he uh, decided he would see what it was like towing with that. So he took a uh, used, an empty trailer, and he was on his way to uh, some place that was only about 32 miles away from him uh, to, to pick up, uh, I think he was going to get an antique car and bring it back on that trailer. So uh, he charged the lightning up. He supposedly had 200-mile range, right? And as soon as he started towing this empty trailer, the charge dramatically dropped. Here's what he said. He said, quote, the truck towing 3,500 pounds can't even go 100 miles. That is, I'm quoting Tyler, ridiculously stupid. The truck can't do normal truck things. Uh, now, he didn't do an exactly scientific, but, you know, he, you saw what he did. You know, I'll put a link in our show notes on the RVLifestyle.com blog for this. Um, but it, it, it's one of a number of tests like that that have happened. Uh, other towing tests with EV trucks, similar uh, results. Car and driver did one. They hitched a 6,100-pound RV camper to each of three electric pickups on the market. They did the Lightning, the Ford F-150 Lightning. They did the GMC Hummer uh, EV and the Rivian R1T. And uh, car and driver said that... He's uh, really mad. <laughs> yeah, he is at 70 miles an hour. We'll get him in a second. At 70 miles an hour... Uh, in 85 degree conditions, the maximum range dropped to 100 miles for the Ford, 140 on the Hummer, 110 on the Rivian. So uh, it isn't going to happen for a while. This is just this whole EV stuff for RVs. We're talking, I think, five years out minimum before we see some improvements on that. 
We'll keep you informed as we see more uh, stories come through. All right, we're going to take a break because we got to go bring we Bo in. Because he he's going to bark the whole time. Very angry. <laughs> and when we come back, a post hurricane update on what the camping situation will be like this year, this winter for you snowbirds in Florida. Stay with us. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10. When you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds and competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. It was for Jen and me. We bought some land just west of Nashville, Tennessee, in an incredible collection of mountaintop RV properties called the Woodlands at Buffalo River. These are five to 62 acre properties that allow RVs year round starting at $79,900. And we loved it. The scenery is breathtaking and you can own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can landscape, garden, bring your pets, build what you want to. There's high speed internet and it's so private. It's a great place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations, ready whenever you want. And they're selling these properties by appointment, five to 62 acres, $79,900. Financing, big discounts available on multi-lot packages. For information, visit myrvland.com, myrvland.com. Welcome back, everybody. We've brought Bo in. He's Bo thinks he's Wonder Dog. He just jumped off a four-foot ledge. Yeah. I wish he wouldn't do that. Yeah. He's not as young as he used to be. No. <laughs> he's got to rein it in a little bit. Yep. Yep. That's, oh, dear. Uh, that's Bo. All right. Um, cleanup is still underway, obviously, in Florida in light of the devastation brought by Hurricane Ian uh, to particularly southwest uh, uh, Florida. Um, but uh, while a number of parks have been just wiped out and totally taken out, uh, it's very interesting what the subject of our interview this week. We talked to the head of the Florida Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds, and he has an unusual message that you might be surprised to hear. He basically says, Come on down. Please come, he says. Um, parks from Naples to Tampa were were almost all impacted, particularly those near the coast, by the storm. But uh, most of the state and most of the campgrounds are open for business. Uh, earlier this week, the campground estimate was that to 20 of its 400 member parks were pretty much uh, closed, shut down, um, but the number is being continually updated. And uh, that's, uh, that's always out there. So. A couple of them that we know are are not going to be open for a while. Uh, Bo is back in with us <laughs> yeah. here. He forgives us, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 
everybody's going to want to see Bo. So Bo. let's see if we can bring Bo Come in. Over here. Here. Well, let's see. Where's Bo? Does he always show up over yeah. this way? I don't think no, so. I don't think no, he you're does. not showing up. All right, Big Bo. Guy. He's down there. Um, a couple of parks, particularly, and they're both very popular the, the Red Coconut RV Park and the San Carlos RV Park and Islands in yeah. uh, Fort Myers Beach. Fort Myers Beach. Um, they were completely destroyed. Mm. Um, however, not far from there, the North Trail RV and RV Country, also in Fort Myers, uh, did not experience major damage. Now, a lot of the RVs that were at all of those parks were very severely damaged, uh, as, you'll, as you'll hear in our interview. But um, our guest is Bobby Cornwell. He is the president and the CEO of the Florida RV Parks and Campground Association. And I know snowbird season really starts in... What uh, right at thanks right after? I mean, um, this is so Halloween. Uh, this is a timely podcast because you need to have this information so that you can make your plans. But listen to what he says. The overall message: Come on down. We're joining us right now from Florida is uh, Bobby Cornwell. He is the president and the CEO of the Florida RV Parks and Campground Association. And uh, Bobby, I, I know this has been a very uh, traumatic and trying couple of weeks now since that uh, that devastating hurricane can you give us an update how many of your parks uh, have been shut down destroyed and uh, and let's let's see if we can actually get some real numbers I know that probably not all of it is that is is tabulated yet but what what you can give us in terms of the current situation sure, sure. And, and you're right it's hard to get very accurate figures the information understandably is slow coming. Uh, we've been reaching out to our members, you know, ever since the storm hit. So without power, phone lines, and you know, obviously they have uh, more important things on their hands right now as far as as getting their parks uh, and their staff and their campers safe. So, um, but we have been able to tabulate uh, some information. Right now, we have 23 parks that are closed in the uh, Lee, Collier, and Charlotte County areas. That's Fort Myers, um, Naples area um and the surrounding four miles beaches stero bay and sanibel those were the hardest hit areas so like i said we're, we're showing 23 that are closed however uh, the majority of those we expect and have heard from many of the park owners and operators that they will be back open and running real soon uh four miles specifically which is one of the hardest hit areas the beaches are bad so i don't want to undermine that it's absolutely horrible devastating and we probably have anywhere from five to 10 parks there that are severely damaged, you know, pretty much wiped away. Uh, so you're talking about years of recovery there, but just you know, a little farther inland, 20 miles make a huge difference. Um, a lot of the Fort Myers parks are open and they have power and the power is being restored relatively quickly considering everything. So that's the good news. Um, in Fort Myers, in that area that we're talking about, that southwest Florida area there that was most heavily impacted, happens to be the most populated area of the state as far as RV parks and campgrounds go. There's probably 70 parks just in that three-county area, um, which, again, I think is probably the most dense area not only in the state, but possibly the nation. Um, so a lot were devastated, but we have a lot of parks there, which is the good thing. And uh, like I said, uh, the majority of those... If they're not open now, they will be open soon. I'm sure uh, a lot of this information is probably uh, still anecdotal, but uh, I know many people were able to pull their RVers out when they had the, the evacuation warning. 
but there were still a lot of um, of parks that had RVs in them. Have you any reports uh, about uh, how damaged those RVs were, uh, those RVs and those parks were, or uh, is it is it still being gathered? Yeah, you're right. Um, there were, I think, in many circumstances, a lot of RVs that were left. Um, the evacuation, the way this storm, everybody remembers, the storm was originally projected to go up north towards the Panhandle, Tallahassee, Panama City area. And then within the next 48 hours, it went from there all the way into Fort Myers. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of time uh, warning. Uh, people in Fort Myers thought they were safe 24 hours before the storm hit. So there wasn't a whole lot of evacuations that were done, you know, way in advance. Uh, so, you know, I estimate that there was a, a good amount of RVs. I don't have any numbers. I wish I did. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, I, I think a lot got out. But then there were there were some that, that were probably there, especially from RVers and campers who maybe stored their RV on site. And they come down for the winter, November through April. Um, I have a feeling there were, you know, a lot of RVs that were, were in that type of situation. They weren't occupied, fortunately um but we're left on site i haven't heard from anybody and we reached out to almost all the members and, and campgrounds that we can and um nobody's reported any deaths or injuries to their staff or their guests that we've heard about that's 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 great news the, the the question that we keep getting and that i'm sure that the campgrounds are getting uh is what about the 2023 snowbird season uh, we're, we usually see the first wave starting about about uh, Halloween time, and then, of course, uh, right after the holidays, and then in January. Um, how is this going to impact those who have reservations or are seasonal snowbirds in their RVs? Um, you're right. That, that's the biggest issue right now that the parks are dealing with in the Formos area, even the ones that are open. So they're trying to get all their sites up and running for the reservations from people that are coming down for the snowbird season. That's happening. You got snowbirds that are calling into the park saying, you know, should we come down? Should we not? We don't want to disrupt anything that's going on there. Um, is it safe? So, you know, that question's having to be answered. You have snowbirds that are changing plans, and that's not necessarily a good thing for some of the parks in Fort Myers who are relying on the snowbirds. They want to keep them. Uh, but you do have some snowbirds that are saying, well, no, I don't want to go down there because of the storm. Um, I'm going to, you know, camp farther north, maybe Orlando. Some are even going to Japan, and we're hearing from some of our parks in northern Florida that normally don't get any snowbirds uh, from the campers that were originally going to go south saying, hey, we want to come to your area now. Um, and, you know, that's great for some of the parks that typically don't get the business. So we're going to have a lot of parks that get more business than they typically would see in the winter. Um, but it's not necessarily good for the Fort Myers parks and the parks in southwest Florida. Uh, because the reality is, as bad as the storm is and as bad as the damage is in the main impacted areas along the coast, you know, the rest of, of that area is going to be fine. And um, I think the perception is all of southwest Florida is destroyed. And that's that's not the case. As with any storm, it's usually isolated in smaller areas. And uh, people assume the whole state shut down or all southwest Florida shut down. And, you know, fortunately, that's not true. Well, give us some advice for those. Uh, I, I, I guess one of the pieces of advice we should say is just be a little patient. Give them a, a week or two to sort things out. But um, 
what advice would you give folks? Uh, just, is there still, are there still reservations? It's hard to get reservations on a good year, you know, with no hurricanes, but uh, yeah. how about the rest of this year? What, what advice would you give those who want a snowbird still in Florida? Oh, well, you nailed it. First of all, patience, you know, let, let this settle for, you know, it's only been a week, almost a week exactly, I guess. Um, so yeah, you know, give us some time and I understand, you know, the campers are, anxious as well you know a lot of them have put down big deposits and you know they're panicking too so you know we get that um but yes you know try to give it a little bit of time and the campground owners are just trying to figure it out themselves as well so they're, they're dealing with it i can assure you um as far as reservations i mean this is it's, it's kind of all wait to, to be seen because you're right the area that we're talking about would typically be filled already um, but now these parks are going through so many changes uh, with the reservations as well. They're having people cancel. So where in the past, you know, maybe somebody couldn't get a spot <laughs> now because of the storm, you know, maybe they can because you know, it's potentially possible that, you know, a campground may have a bunch of cancellations and uh, they have some spots open. Uh, right now they're trying to assist emergency workers, um, insurance adjusters, contractors who are dying to get a spot close to the close to the um damage and they're needing those locations so some of the rv parks are allocating those temporarily but yet they can't guarantee the space long term because they have the winter visitors coming in so you know it, it's it's a little chaotic obviously um but this time of year you would have spaces typically available it's not until mid-november uh that you know all the snowbirds start coming in uh, october is usually a slow month for that area and I think it's what I heard you say is it's it's still a very isolated area that is that is so severely affected. What is the rest of the you know the Orlando area? Of course, the East Coast down into the Keys. Uh, there's they're back to they're pretty much normal, right? Are there any problems there? Yeah, I mean there's some isolated instances, uh, parts farther inland, you know, along the river access that maybe opened up into the Gulf. Peace River, for instance, um, we have one member there uh, that they were under 10 feet of water. And last I heard, they were still under 10 feet of water, literally the whole part. Um, you know, that, that will reside and hopefully they'll be able to rebuild. But, you know, there are those rare patches where if you're on a waterway, a lake that may have flooded, um, or even on the coast, uh, on the on the Atlantic side, the East Coast, uh, they, they got some storm surges as well, heavy waves, and then once again, the rivers and lakes, they flooded. So there were some isolated instances where, you know, throughout the state, you know, people had impacts, but um, nothing permanent by any means. And yes, I would think within a week or two, you know, there won't be any lasting effects. So yeah, right. answer the question, you know, pretty much all the parks are open in the state. So a little patience, a couple weeks yet before anybody knows. And if there's any snowbird silver lining, maybe some of those late snowbirds that didn't get a reservation might be able to do so now because uh, other people have moved on to different plans. So, and as far as the campers who are curious, um, you know, once again, it's perception isn't always reality. And, and you look at the media, and yes, it's horrible devastation. I don't want to do anything to undermine that in those particular areas, but. In northern Fort Myers and you know just south of Fort Myers, Naples, you know, they had a lot of winter rain, but 
still beautiful parts of the state and they're they're definitely open so uh, the, the area is not shut down and yet well, you can still find a good site bobby thank you so much for helping us get a little uh bit of an understanding of what the situation is there now um snowbird season 2023 in florida it's still very much on Thank you. Uh, yes, it is for sure. Yeah, just need a little patience before we know exactly what's going on, but we're getting there. Okay. Thank you so much, and welcome, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys. And uh, we're we'll be down there uh, uh, all this uh, this winter. Start with okay. the Tampa RV show coming up in right. uh, January. Okay. Thank, thank you, everybody. Well, thank you, Bobby Cornwell, for making time for us. Um, I, I I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, what is interesting is, as he said, that the uh, campgrounds in the Panhandle for winter have filled up much quicker. They're always, they always have a pretty good snowbird season, but uh, many people thinking that Southwest Florida is completely uh, unavailable have, have moved uh, there, or many of many uh, snowbirds have moved on to Arizona, too, this year. And the Panhandle, take your long jumps. Yeah, it gets cool up there. <laughs> Winter can be cool. But uh, Bobby thinks that it's going to be pretty much, uh, there'll only be a couple of spots, you know, a few, a few of those sites that uh, will be uh, still closed as we get into the heart of the snowbird season. That's not saying that there's a lot of spots there, because even in the best of years, Florida fills up mm -hmm. with snowbirds uh, camping in it. So uh, we'll keep monitoring that and keep reporting uh, what we find what out we during over the next uh, few weeks, as I know many of you are planning still to you know, escape the cold and get to uh, Florida. All right, RV Questions of the Week. That's coming up right after this. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back, and now it's time for the RV Questions of the Week. And we want to remind you, if you have a comment about anything you've heard in the podcast this week, or if you have a question, uh, we love getting your questions. Just send them to us at mikeandjen at rvlifestyle.com. Okay, first question from Jean and Susan. My wife and I have been Class C RV owners for two years, but have never winter camped. What should we know in terms of winterizing? A black and gray tanks usage, etc. When camping, when uh, temperatures could go below freezing, we live in the Midwest and are considering a drive to Western New York at Christmas. Should we use our tanks, or should we winterize like normal and then avoid using any water for fear of freezing? Well, if you're driving to Western New York at Christmas time, you know the odds are very much uh, that you're going to encounter. Um, very freezing weather, well below freezing uh, for multiple hours on end. Now, sometimes there's warm season. It's not supposed to be a warm winter. It's supposed to be a tough winter. Cold winter? 
but I would advise you to winterize as normal. Uh, don't use your tanks, don't run uh, fresh water, don't hook up to running water through your plumbing system, run your antifreeze through there, get the water out of your freshwater tanks, get it out of your plumbing system, use antifreeze to flush the toilet. Yes, you can RV. use your- yeah. RV, antifreeze yeah. for yeah. everything. Yeah, only marine grade or RV grade. The, yeah. the pink stuff, it's get the pink, pink stuff. stuff. Uh, don't use automotive. I, I shouldn't have to say that, but I do because people always do that. That'll wreck your plumbing. And I'm thinking system. if you have both types, use one for the bathroom, one for whatever. You might get a little confused. So it's, just yeah, you stick use, to one thing. Yep. So just use RV, the pink stuff. Uh, use that to flush your toilet. You can use your toilet as normal. Whatever you deposit in the toilet, you put that much equal amounts of antifreeze. Of antifreeze in. And then, you know, you can always find some place to empty the tanks. Most RV dealers will let you do that for a small fee. Mm -hmm. So will some of the big truck stops as well, you know, like Loves or Pilots. Got to check yourself on that. Uh, but please winterize. You you will need to do so because, uh, you know, if it's, if it's cold um, for prolonged periods of time, it, those pipes can, can and will freeze and then crack and you got a mess. Uh, we're going to have a really full, comprehensive podcast next week on this very topic with uh, Rod Henson from the National uh, RV Technical Academy, and he's going to talk to us in depth about winterization with some really practical advice. So be sure and check that next uh, next week. They'll be in our next edition of the podcast. But uh, Gene and Susan, winterize if you're going at Christmas time. All right, here's one. Um, this comes from Sue, and she says, I am confused. I was told the lithium batteries only provide a trickle charge to keep the house battery going, but the lithium batteries do not actually power the appliances. Please clarify. I don't know where you got that, Sue, but the lithium batteries are the coach batteries, are the house batteries. Um, so <laughs> that's where you're getting your power from. Now, you do run them through usually an inverter, but the inverter just takes the power out of the lithium and converts it to 110 volts so you can plug in. But it is the batteries themselves are, uh, are, are your house batteries, the lithium batteries. That's your coach batteries, your house batteries. You, you, there's also the chassis battery, which is what powers, if you have a motorhome, which powers the motorhome. But uh, if it's a towable, the batteries that you have are the house batteries. So there you go. All right, um, we had a couple of questions, and uh, I wanted to uh, to read one thing, one more question that we had, and maybe you could start with that one. All right, and uh, this one, uh, we have been camping for decades. However, as I was getting near retirement, we bought a used Class C motorhome and love it. My wife is still working for a few more years, so she works from home uh, wherever I make the uh, Wi-Fi. That is a bit of a problem at times, and it is fairly costly. The other issue is campgrounds have gotten so expensive that it makes it hard to go for extended periods of time, gasoline being near $5 a gallon, and the uh, coach only getting six miles per gallon, and campgrounds being off the chart doesn't make a retirement camping lifestyle easy to obtain. And we are hearing so many of those. That's from Jerry. Uh, here's one from uh, Patty, and Patty says, Our biggest problem has been finding an RV park to stay in that is located 
in the area we want to stay in. There's so many RV owners, many being families since the COVID pandemic. It makes it difficult, especially in the Northwest during the summer months. In the Southwest, a lot of the RV parks are eliminating RV spots as they put in park models and mobile homes. Many longtime RVers have been displaced due to this. For example, one park that we stayed in for a couple of years has eliminated all of the RV spots. Many of the people that RV'd there were from Canada and have been going there for 30 plus years. Others in the U.S. have been there as long. Many long-term relationships were built that are no longer. And uh, we've, like I said, we've had many different emails that talk on the same thing. So it's, it's, it's more challenging now than it's been any time in the 11 years that we've been doing the RV lifestyle, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Still worth it. Still can do it, but you got to think through a little bit more and plan for it and uh, stretch that budget as best you can. All right. Again, we would love to hear your comments, your questions. If you have something you want to share with this larger audience uh, or a question for us, use our personal email. It's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. That's the podcast for this week. We talk winterization on next week's podcast. You won't want to miss that. Thank you guys so much for watching. Happy trails. Happy trails.